Welcome to HR in the Car with Miriam Duchesne and Tom Shin of Alant Workforce Solutions, where exciting HR professionals and business leaders share laughter, insider stories, and maybe even a few tears about HR in today's world. Buckle up for the best half hour of your week. Who do we use for our background checks at Alliance? Alliance Risk Group. Yes, which was also once called Alliance Worldwide Investigative Corporation. Right, and it had a G at the end. I remember having to write his business name in my address book. It was always this big, giant, long name. (laughs) Big, giant, long name. Well, I'm really excited because we're going to have Mario join us and talk about background checks, how they've evolved over the years, and honestly, how he got started in the business is my favorite part of this entire podcast. I've got this theme song jingling in my head. (laughs) You guys are going to get it in a second. So welcome to HR in the Car. This is Miriam, and I'm here with Tom. And our special guest today is Mario Pecoraro. He is the founder and CEO of Alliance Risk Group. He is one of my most favorite people in the world. I've known him. Let's count. How long have we known each other, Mario? I can't even remember now. Oh, 17-ish years? Ish years, yeah. Yeah, and it's so surprising. I mean, I must have met you when I was five because there's no no way. You were were three, Miriam, when when we met, three. So Mario, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. So what we usually try to do is start off with, all right, tell us about yourself and your business. What do you do, my friend? Well, Miriam, uh, thanks so much for having me and thank you, Tom. I'm the founder and CEO of Alliance Risk Group. And uh, we're an investigative company. We help organizations uh, keep really bad people out of their out of their businesses, right? So, so essentially, we help companies reduce risk and inspire confidence. So, we do background screening uh, for corporations and HR professionals, and we do corporate investigations uh, for employers that and insurance companies that have issues with employees. So, essentially, we are the uh, keep the bad guys uh, out of the organization police, for lack of better terms. How the hell did you get into this business? Oh, it's complicated, Miriam. I kind of <laughs> was born—I was kind of born into it. So uh, I had the uh, privilege of growing up in a uh, family-owned business. So my dad was an old-school private eye. Yes, exactly what you're thinking—the old-school gumshoe, cigarette smoking, in-your-face kind of old-school private eye. Um, and I learned so much uh, growing up working uh, with my dad. So when you think about uh, private eye, you think of the proverbial uh, Magnum, Magnum P.I. P.I. That's what I was thinking, the giant thinking. mustache. No. Giant mustache, yeah. Corvette, Corvette? He did have Ferrari. Ferrari driving. Yeah, so my dad did have the mustache, did not have the Ferrari. That's disappointing. Um, <laughs> did not have the attack dog Higgins, although we did have, uh, or not Higgins, I don't know. Apollo and Zeus. Apollo and Zeus, yep. Dude. Uh, for the <laughs> For the for the latest uh, TV watchers, uh, Magnum, the latest Magnum PI is out, and it's a little bit different. But the red Ferrari did not exist back in the '80s when I grew up in the family business. Back then, we did a little of everything. You know, my dad um, did a lot of divorce work, custody work. He did general PI work. He had security guards. He also did polygraph work, lie detection work. So he would polygraph people on a regular basis. So I really grew up around that environment and learned so much and developed a really strong passion for the industry. And I really, you know, I saw an opportunity to really 
you know, take that and make a business out of it. Whereas in the past, the proverbial PI was the, you know, the person that, you know, worked out of their back porch that, you know, kind of chased bad people around and had this stigma associated with them, except of course, Magnum, who had a really good stigma. (laughs) I can't get this image out of my head with the lie detector piece, because now I'm wondering, it's like the meet the Fockers moment, right? Pretty much. Right? I'm wondering if your dad put that on you, right? Did Did he ever subject you to the lie detector test? No, but I have so many fun stories. So my dad, uh, he's passed on now. It's been about 11 years, so he's resting in peace now. But I still have his polygraph machine and many stories of training where I would sit with him during these polygraph exams as he was administering them to everything from, you know, cheating spouses to uh, people that were uh, applying for jobs in armored car companies to see if they were lying. And the best recollections I have are when, uh, you know, he would ask somebody a question, take a puff of his cigarette and then blow the smoke out as he's waiting for them to answer the question and it's just it's hysterical now because he would probably be kicked out of that industry right now if he was ever doing that but he was a master interrogator for sure so if you wonder where i get my seriousness and my uh, hardcore questions uh, that might be inherited that's amazing i mean i knew it was a family business i didn't realize how intense dad must have been <laughs> oh yeah Yeah, he was definitely intense and he uh, empowered, you know, one of the things that I I get many lessons that I learned from dad, but he would show you something once and and then he would expect you to kind of figure it out and I would, and I would go do it. And, uh, you know, I was um, privileged enough to be, you know, I would go out on the road when I was 16 years old. And if you think about what 16 years old means today versus, you know, when I was 16, about five years ago, you know, it's a much different age, right? So, um, you know, when you're driving two or three hours away to investigate people 16, 17 years old, it's kind of illegal probably to do that now. Um, But back then, that's how I learned. I was going to say, so wait a second, you were actually working in dad's business at 16, 17 years old doing like surveillance work? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was actually working in dad's business when I was about 12 to 13, riding along with him. And then when I was 16, I was doing my own surveillances at 16 years old. So I was I was actually um, exposed at a pretty young age. So yeah, I mean, I was doing courthouse runs, you know, before background screening uh, became a thing years ago, uh, you know, would not be uncommon for me to get in the car at 16, 17 years old and drive to Orange County, which is would be Goshen, New York, Dutchess County down in Poughkeepsie and Ulster County in Kingston and check criminal records uh, in these massive books, pre-computers. So I literally have been at this for, uh, as I said, I turned 16 four years ago. So about, uh, <laughs> but all, all jokes aside, I've been at it uh, close to 30 years since I early got into the industry. So uh, I've been exposed to all aspects of it. So it's pretty fascinating uh, childhood. I, I didn't have your traditional childhood. So in a lot of ways, I was, uh, I think it forged me to uh, where I am today. So when you started Alliance Risk Group, obviously Alliance Investigative was the original name. What was the alternative starting there? What was your plan B? There was no plan B, right? So, I mean, uh, when I when I started Alliance, sat down and wrote a business plan and said, listen, I want to start an organization. Back then, it was uh, the Yellow Pages were popular. So for those listeners that don't know what a Yellow Pages is, Miriam probably does not know. But anyway, um, Yellow Pages was a big, thick phone book <laughs> that you used uh, to, find, to, you know, to find. So I, I wanted a, a company that started with A. Essentially, um, I didn't have a backup plan. It was go out and, and make a go of it. And um, I kind of never, never stopped, uh, never looked back. Fascinating. 
I just, I'm, I'm sitting here with my mouth open because I've known Mario, what we just talked about, it's a million years. And I never knew those pieces. I mean, I knew he knew what he was doing and I knew it was a family yeah. business or, you know, he got into it because of his father. But I never knew those pieces. I'm just smiling from ear to ear. Right this is great. Because it's great. just making me so yeah, happy. So, so Miriam, if you can picture me as a snotty 16-year-old kid walking into a courthouse, maybe I was 17 at the time and telling a court clerk that she had to release records to me. And meanwhile, I knew that she had to, but she didn't really know the law like I did at 17. Imagine having a 17-year-old kid tell you that you've got to release records. I mean, I have so many fun stories of when I'd walk into a clerk's office. And the first time I'd, I'd walk in and I'd go back to my dad and say, you know, they won't release the records. And he would say, no, they, they have to release them. And he would like, give me a copy of the statute. And so I would walk back in with a copy of statute and they would be like, where did you get this from? Like, what are you, what are you doing? And sure enough, they would release the records <laughs> to kid? me. And so, you know, I learned not to be the snotty 16, 17 year old kid over time, but I have stories now from friends that I, I developed through the years that said to me, you know, we were like, who is this kid coming in here? But it was really through that passion that I really learned so much about the industry and, and that sort of thing. And these folks, uh, you know, have become very good friends through the years. And we still laugh about it to this day of, hey, you remember the time when, you know, you would come in here and you would demand records and, and you know, we ended up learning that we had to give them to you. So thank you for educating us. <laughs> I want to know the story of how you and Miriam oh, met. The- <laughs> Apparently there's, there's some legendary tale here that I, I want myself to learn this, but I want all of our listeners to hear this yeah, too. Yeah, so I was fresh in the business. I think I was in business maybe two to three months. And um, there was a, a colleague in the industry, Chris, who used to used to work with Miriam years ago. And uh, Chris uh, has hit, listen, I can probably get you into a meeting with my boss. You know, we do background checks here at Linium at the time. I'd love to get you a meeting. So I said, sure, would love to. So I, you know, I, back then I would suit up and I never really lacked confidence. So I walked into this meeting saying, oh, this is going to be easy. You know, I just took one look at Miriam and, you know, sweet face, smiling, yeah, easy to win over, right? Not going to be hard at all. So I walk in there with every bit of confidence and I walked out of there, got my ass kicked, part of my French, my butt kicked uh, in a good way, right? So I walked in there thinking she's not going to ask me any hardball questions. She asked me, I, I, I think back to that day, Miriam, on, on Wolf Road when you were um, in that little shopping center. Yes. Yep. When yes, she was nine. When she was nine. Yep. And I still laugh because I, every time I drive by there, I, I get trauma thinking about the interview with you. But no, <laughs> all jokes aside, uh, you gave me a run for my money in a good way. So we became uh, steadfast friends. But you asked me some really hard questions like, you're new in business, you know, what makes you different? Um, why should we use you? You know, we have a current process in place now, you know, and she said, well, I'll tell you what, you know, I'll get back to you. And she said, I'm gonna give you a shot and see what you can do. And uh, as they say, the rest is history, but uh, it was a fun process because I thought for sure it was going to be an easy sale. And um, she made me earn it. And uh, well played, Miriam, well played. <laughs> and plus uh, let me friendship. tell you the relationship that we have had with your organization with alliance for all these years has been Absolutely. amazing and i remember one story once and it ended up being like background checks are no joke right and we had a situation where we actually were contacted by authorities police, whatever it was. I can't, I can't remember all of the specifics, but it was basically something that should have come up in a background check. And we had run a background check on this person. This person was actively working for us. And I get on the phone, like, what the (laughs) hell, Mario? Like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, this is not cool. Let me look into this. I'm going to get right back to you, blah, 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 blah. And it actually turned out that the courts messed up. 
So Mario did his due diligence. We had done our due diligence, but the courts had actually recorded something wrong or incorrectly, yeah. and that and it basically had slipped through. And so it was just one of those crazy things. But the reason I say that is because he was like, oh, hells no. Yeah. Well, I know that we did what we were supposed to do. And I always trusted him. And it turned out it was a human error, actually, that neither one of us could have had any control over. But that's what you get when you work with Mario is there's no Ownership. joke. You're going to get complete support and assistance. And it's not just he's not processing paperwork. Yeah. He has got people that are doing the job. And doing it really, really well. I yeah, appreciate that. And and just to play in that, you know, the court system is funny because, as I said, you know, having been involved in it for so long, a lot has evolved in our industry, but court records and court access hasn't really evolved like it should have, right? So, I mean, years ago, there was these massive books, and that's how criminal records were indexed. I mean, luckily, the books have gone away. But if you hear about some of the access throughout the country, if we just think, you know, in in the capital region alone, um, there's counties within the within 10, 15 miles of, of the Albany area that still have a manual court person actually accessing the records. They do not allow access by the outside world. That was like that, you know, 25, 30 years ago. So um, the system is definitely, uh, it's gotten better, but yes, Miriam, it's definitely, uh, it's a challenge when you can only use the data that's that's in front of you for sure. So certainly it's an evolving process, but it's been a, a great partnership for us as well. Not only have uh, we helped you, you've helped us uh, with several hires through the years and we've had much, much success with uh, the program that you've helped us with. So a little shameless plug for you, but we I was just really going to say, thanks out. for the shameless plug. I didn't even pay you for that. Yes, Thank it you. was very, it's been helpful. You mentioned kind of that 30-year non-trend. I'm curious about what sort of positive trends that you're seeing from your lens that businesses or states, it could be, you know, either side of it, what sort of trends you're seeing on that investigative side that are going in a positive direction I guess the the most positive, um, and there's a, there's a few, right? But the most positive that I'm seeing is uh, this whole concept of second chance hiring that's really taken over this country. So, you know, a lot of folks that have gotten in trouble, you know, a lot of times years ago, they were painted with a brush, right? If, you know, this person was charged with a crime or this person was arrested, so we're never going to consider them for a role. Well, you know, we're, we're all seeing what's happened in the labor market. So employers are desperate for talent. So there's been a big push to maybe change the mindset of employers around, you know, certain situations where giving someone a second chance makes total sense. So that's a big trend that we're seeing. As a matter of fact, um, we've got got a webinar coming up a couple weeks talking through what the legalities around second chance hiring and the positive impacts it's having on the HR world. So that's a big trend that we're seeing. We're also seeing more and more evolution of background screening when it comes to things like culture fit. You know, background screening through the years has always been things like criminal records, credit records, verifications of employment references. But now there's there's new uh, solutions, including things like social media screening, right? So Employers are looking at things like if someone is a racist person, if they have uh, you know sexually explicit materials on social media, if they have violence. Those are all things that an employer is going to want to know from a culture perspective, from a risk perspective. And so there's new tools out there to enable employers um, to look for those things because let's face it, not everybody who's a problem necessarily has been charged or convicted of a crime. And those are the types of people that I think we would want to know about as employers to to decide. So that's a great new tool, a new trend. 
And then we're also seeing a trend towards um, new identity verification solutions, right? So, you know, the days of folks providing, you know, their social security card and the I and I piece, that's still an option, but there's new identity solutions around verifying through through applicant-driven tools for identity. If you think about what, what we do with our technology, with our phones now, if you're an iPhone user, years ago now, it's been the fingerprint ID, but now it's facial recognition. So there's more of that technology evolving as well in the industry. So in terms of your business, you've been doing this a really long time. If we've known each other for 17 years, you've been in business for at least 17 plus years. And then obviously before that, but like what crazy thing or like a a situation that, you know, is almost unbelievable in a way that, that comes to mind for you. And I mean, and I ask it because you think you've seen and heard it all, but you've, you will never see and hear it all. Yes. Yes. So true. <laughs> so true. Every day we, we hear different, uh, different stories. So I guess uh, some of the craziest stories I've seen having are having to do with the extent to which uh, candidates will go to falsify a degree, to falsify a resume or a background. Uh, we've had cases uh, as of late where someone has come in and alleged that they had you know, a master's degree and that they worked at a certain employer. And we find out that they were supposed to be uh, experts in, say, for example, engineering or designing a building or a structure. And turns out that a company was sued because that structure failed. And turns out that oh, the God. person that designed that structure never had the credentials to do so in the first place, right? So Jeez. you think about you know, one example where an employer can can be brought into a lawsuit. And there's many other examples where I took a phone call literally today from an industry colleague involving someone, uh, and I, I don't want to get too specific into the details, but involving someone that was brought into uh, a not-for-profit and wasn't properly vetted. And there's potential now where people have come forward uh, and it's potentially going to impact uh, the organization. So these kinds of things are real and they happen on a regular basis. And I think most people don't think it's going to happen to them until it's it's too late. Right. So I think a lot of yeah. those stories happen. So, you know, I've got stories even in our own organization where we brought people in. We thought they were great. And then we were in the social media check and we find, you know, we're shocked, maybe not shocked to hear that, you know, their story that they told us wasn't, wasn't so accurate. I mean, we had one candidate a few years back that passed with flying colors. Uh, Miriam, he even passed the Mario interview test. Right. And I, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't <laughs> interview Let me tell you folks. <laughs> yeah. So Tom, Tom knows that. And, uh, he, yep. he came back and, uh, everything looked great and he had a gap in his employment and he, he had the great explanation for it. He said, well, yeah, I took care of my sick aunt and she was dying for years and years. So, of course, you know, I delved a little further and everything seemed to check out as references checked out. But then when we did the social media check, all sorts of bells went off around weird activity on his social media. And he had a, a Twitter profile that was just not good. It was indicative of someone with a potential background around child abuse in his social media profile. The photos were matching. And as a matter of fact, when I asked him to explain why he had such a profile, his response was, rather than explain, give me some kind of an explanation, his response was, well, how did you find that? Um, That wasn't supposed to be public (laughs) knowledge, you know? So that ended that right there. But I think every employer has a story around what can happen to them if if someone is not, you know, properly vetted. And, and, you know, it's it's an honor for me to take calls on a regular basis to be able to share my experiences, but it's a common denominator where you just don't know people like we did years ago. And I think you, yeah. know, you have to really change how you're, how you're looking at the whole process. Yeah. And I think the tools that are out there, you mentioned social media. 
I think some of the things that we're seeing out there now existed 10, 20, 30 years ago. You just didn't see them because there wasn't this attention. It wasn't the data capture of information that's out there. But now everybody, I know people, I believe in freedom of speech. Don't get me wrong, but people take it to the nth degree and say, I can say whatever I want. It doesn't matter if it's hurtful or stupid or, you know, violent. Yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes into that. But Tom, it's funny, uh, one of the things we're also seeing by employers is a little bit of a pushback because they feel as though they're somewhat invading somebody's privacy when it comes to things like social media. Well, especially in light of wherever someone is on a political or religious spectrum, a lot of times those those lines get blurred a little bit. And so, you know, what we tell employers is, listen, you know, we're not here to interpret. We're only here to report things that can be used, you know, for you to kind of make an adverse hiring decision. And to your point, wouldn't you want to know as an employer if someone is a racist? Wouldn't you want to know if they had a violent tendency or they just believed in violence to solve issues? I mean, those are things that I don't think are going to be helpful to an employer once the person's come on board. So I really think to your point, you know, years ago, these things were not available. As a matter of fact, the federal government, even to this day, the way they do background screening, if you, if you get a federal clearance, they send investigators out to interview your neighbors, right? So imagine, you know, and that's what they did 30 years ago. They would literally knock on your neighbor door and say, all right, uh, Tom lives next door. What can you tell me about Tom? Is he a family person? Does he like to drink? Does he have a lot of loud, loud parties? All the things that Miriam missed before she hired you. And we would find those. <laughs> <laughs> we would find those things out and report back. And so you know, that's what the federal government is still doing for federal government clearances, amongst many other things. They also do in-person interviews versus over the phone, right? So they'll, they'll actually drive two, three hours to interview an employer face-to-face to ask about someone in their history. So there's something to be said for that. I think that's a bit excessive for what our current employer state looks like, but it's definitely, uh, there's some validity to that for sure. Absolutely. I can remember those. We had neighbors growing up. Mm-hmm. One of them was being prepped for a federal role of some sort. We thought it was the FBI just because you saw people with like those kind of unmarked cop cars, if you will. (laughs) You're like, oh, what's that? And you see the clipboard and investigative stuff. And it was for us as kids growing up, we were like, ooh, but, but they they investigate everything because um, when my my husband and I were dating, we had only been dating like a few months, and he had left the navy and was um, they had to do another clearance for a job that he was going to take, and he warned me. He's like, "Hey, I know we've only just been dating, but they're going to reach out to you because they they check everybody." Mm-hmm. And sure enough, now I can't remember. I don't think they came in person, but I did get a phone call. But we've had it even on our own office where we've had um, officials come in and talk to us about people that they are doing this investigation for before they hire them for their organization. So it, it definitely is, it's real. Yeah. So Mario, as we wrap up, what is your go-to roadside assistance tool that's in your toolkit, in your trunk that um, you go to when you, uh, when you need it for, for work? It's a Springfield Arm 45 caliber, 15-round magazine with a gun that I carry. Are you, are you talking about that kind of tool? <laughs> <laughs> well, it certainly could be that. I mean, uh, I actually I was privy to that information. I've, I've known that about you. Hey, if that's your go-to, baby, I mean, no, I, I, I feel I, safe I, being around you. <laughs> I, la- I laugh about that because it's such a controversial topic now throughout the country. But all jokes yeah. aside, um, you know, as a business owner, one of the things that I rely heavily on is my network of fellow business owners. As a business owner, we tend to all experience the same challenges, opportunities. And so I 
rely heavily on kind of a, a close group of entrepreneurs that we share personal and businesses challenges with that are, are literally on speed dial. And it's been uh, it's been a great tool for, for me on a regular basis and just fellow industry colleagues that have experienced what I experienced. I, I find that that's probably one of the best resources is talk to somebody who's been there before because there's a good chance you don't have to rewrite the playbook. Absolutely. I that, love that answer. Yeah, I totally agree. We get such good answers for this one because there's just so much out there, right? Right, and your instinct is to think of something tangible, (laughs) like your first answer. Yeah, absolutely. To come up with these more ethereal, is that too... Frou-frou of a word, like Tom not tangible. Friday, I don't know. I mean, that's uh, that might I know, be, right? I'm like two hours away us. from my first beer. Right? Let's yes. go already. I'm thinking like <laughs> Marvel superheroes and mists and magic. But. Yeah. So, Mario, thank you so much for joining us today. I've been looking forward to having you on um, since we decided that we wanted to do this podcast. I was thinking of all of my favorite people, and you were on that, oh, that very short list. So thank you. I appreciate your time today, and thank you so much for being with us. Miriam, that was so much fun. I remember meeting Mario back in 2005. Yep. <gasps> back when you were, what did he say? Three? I, right? was, I was, yeah, maybe five. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, five, definitely. I can't get the Magnum PI jingle out of my head. But listening I can't to can't re- I can't believe that you remembered the names of those damn dogs on that show. That Dobermans. Was the, that, I remember the Dobermans and they didn't like... Magnum PI. No. I love that. I love that you remembered that because I never would have been able to remember that. But Old anyway, I digress. Trivia. Yeah. My right? specialty. <laughs> Especially with TV shows. There wasn't much to do back then. So we had we made a fatal error though. We didn't ask him what kind of car he drove when he was sixteen years old going to courthouses. Oh, that would have been fantastic. <sighs> Maybe we can great. ask for the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Get a picture of that. Like mm-hmm. you think like Mario's got that. Same haircut he's had the entire time. I bet you that was the same, just thinner. He might have just been a tiny bit thinner. Don't be mad at us, Mario. We love you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to HR in the Car with Alant Workforce Solutions. For more information about this and past episodes, visit us at alant.com. Thanks. 